0: we are going to look at the, uh, possibly anyway, the most famous passage about love in the whole Bible. I'm sure once I start, you will know it. It's 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It's not proud, it does not dishonour others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part then disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Well, it's a passage that, as I said, I'm sure you know and have heard This is uh, the third in our series on community, and we've already found that we are called as individuals by name, and as we respond, so we become part of a wider family of believers. We're called as a community of believers to reach out to that wider community, those that we rub shoulders with in whatever context. The question is, of course, how do we do that? And that's been the question that has occupied the church for generations. Now, as we've said, this passage is well known to us. It was written to the, it's a letter, it's written by Paul to the young church in Corinth. And many of you uh, watching, I'm sure, will have probably had it at your wedding. It is a truly great piece of writing. And that said, at a wedding, we tend to concentrate on the young couple in front of us. Not surprisingly, they are, after all, the centre of attention. And as we concentrate on them, so we talk generally, or in generality, about love. The feeling of love, the well-being of love, the love found one for the other. But as we've already said, this is a letter written to a community. So it's not actually just for the individual. It is for the individual, but it is also, when read, as the letters would have been, for the whole church community. And more than that, for outside the community. I really like that film, Love Actually, which ends with the words... And I really know love actually is all around us. And Jesus knew that. He gave us that command, didn't he? We saw that even before we started this series. Love one another as I have loved you. We've already been challenged in that way. And Jesus challenged the disciples in exactly the same way. To love one another. For the people that he was talking to, to love one another. He even said to Peter on the beach, Do you love me? Three times he asked the same question. It's that important. And for all of us he prayed in the garden before his uh, death on the cross. That we might love one another just as he and his father uh, shared that love. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Which is noted for being a truly dynamic church. But it is perhaps a little wayward at times. And I think sometimes we have that same confusion. And at the basic level, we've looked, at all that we've looked at so far, in fact, all boils down to this one word, love. God loved us, and so we responded. And therefore we love one another. But our society is much more complicated than that. And frankly, there are, in our day-to-day lives, let's be honest at this point, there are some people that we simply find it difficult to love either because of what they've done or the attitudes they hold how they treat us some we feel have probably caused their own downfall in our honest moments we think we deserve they deserve what they've got they've made their bed let them lie in it that's the old phrase and there'll be occasions when we feel that our opinion is so superior to theirs that actually we just need to tell them. Is that love? Where is that gentleness of spirit? What is it that comes out of us when we're knocked? I was driving here uh, today and uh, going down a small lane uh, and twice I went into the bushes I, I missed the wall and the bank Uh, because I know where the bushes grow uh, in order to allow the car coming up not even to slow down certainly not to thank me but to just push on through my reaction? my reaction was, because I knew I was going to be saying this probably better than it might have been but actually my natural reaction would be of frustration and annoyance probably anger what is it that comes out of me? when I'm knocked you're holding a glass which is full someone nudges you part of that glass will come out and it's the same in our lives when we're nudged when we're knocked what is it that overflows? what impact are we leaving with the world? now throughout our lives we've been affected by people who love us and we always try and think or believe that that love is even I love my partner, going back to the wedding, I love you and you love me just as much. Really? Because that's not the same throughout life. I love my children, do they love me just as much? Actually they probably do now, but when they were children, probably not, silly old fool they would have thought. We'll teach him, we'll have to teach him. Teach him our ways. And when you want to take that even further, the love of a parent for a newborn is overwhelming. I mean, it's crushingly deep love. But the baby is just lapping it up, quite rightly. It is giving love back because we receive something from that child. But it is not knowingly giving. So love is not always in equal measure. And that's why, I'm sure you've heard this before, that the Bible uses four words to our one word. Because that parental love is called storge in Greek. And the love from brother to brother, sister to sister, within a family is called filial love. Between lovers, between partners, it's eros or erotic love. But the Bible uses a completely new expression for the love of God with his people, and that's agape love. So let's just look a little bit closer, and bear with me on this one, because if we want to choose, let's just reflect first on human love. We will soon see that it is inherently selfish. Humans seek fellowship because we need it. We seek relationship because we need it. We often show love because we need love we give because we want to receive and if we face an obstacle we feel offended and we want to overcome it for our good human love gives in order to get even actually when it appears altruistic when we love our enemies it's because we want them to change we want them to change so that they treat us better generally speaking and I am generalising. God's love, which let's call that a spiritual love as opposed to a human love, loves the person just as they are in the eyes of God, because God asks us to love in that way. Last week I quoted Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I'm going to quote him again. He says this, spiritual love speaks to Christ about the other person. More than to that person about Christ so spiritual love speaks to Christ and asks their blessing on that person rather than trying to change the person to speak to God now we can going back to our passage we can all use the right words we can all use the tongues of angels we can possibly speak in tongues but without God's perspective of love it's no more than a clashing symbol We can all come across as self-righteous sometimes. We know the truth of the Bible, yet we don't deliver that message quite in the way that we should. We have a a spirit of judgment rather than of helpful compassion and love. We may have a deep and mature faith, and with time pressures as they are, we frankly just want to reach the conclusion. My dear, dear wife always tells me that. Why don't we have the discussion, you just go to the conclusion. We tell people how to behave because we want them to believe what we believe and behave how we behave rather than allowing them to develop their own relationship with God and that's what Bonhoeffer is trying to say introduce God to the people and let God work within them don't try and change them in order that they may reach God and the Church of England has had I'm sure you're aware uh, a lot of issues in this, And there have been several reports and actions have been taken about how the church has in effect tried to bludgeon people into the kingdom of God. And we look back in history and we're appalled at some of the things which have been done. We need to give God the authority to have that last word. All we need to do is share his presence with the people that we meet. And this is also what it means to be with, which is what we touched on uh, last week. We speak to God about them, about him more than to the person about God. We're not creating a relationship with God on their behalf. They need to do that. The other person needs to do that for themselves. We need to be with them, to walk with them, to long for them, to be available for them. And as part of our vision uh for the church, it's becoming apparent that we've all noticed people and groups in our community who are feeling isolated or lonely, sometimes even forgotten. Uh, and perhaps we are the people, we are the person to bring in a non threatening uh, way a, a comfort and a longing which those people haven't met previously. And that's why I've been talking about using all of the facilities that we have. And that's obviously starting with each one of us, but it's also the buildings we have. To bring people in, to show them that when the world has stopped loving, God continues to love. When the world has stopped sharing, we continue to share. When the world has stopped giving, as a church community, we keep giving I'd love to welcome um, those that maybe suffer from Alzheimer's, the sufferers and the carers, just as a place uh, of welcome and sharing together, of the bereaved, a place of vulnerability and openness where tears can flow, healing tears. Tears come from a place of love. What can we give in the name of Christ to the world when the world has stopped giving. And those that have previously received our judgment on them for their rashness or, or perhaps their bluntness or their boldness, we need to keep on loving. And we need to look at ourselves wherever we are. We can also use our other buildings for secular use and, and letting them out, because that's how we're going to engage with our Community and St Martin's at Blackheath uh, I, I nearly recorded this up there it is the most beautiful environment it's the most contemplative, meditative environment that I've been in for a very long time and that sense of spirituality the presence of Christ we need to make accessible to other people Uh, and that includes during the week, and we'll look at ways to develop that over time. Wherever we are as individuals, we are followers of Christ, and we will be, for those people that we meet, a place of safety, a place of integrity, a place of trust, a person that is known as being non-judgmental, and instead being um, compassionate and caring So what can we do? We can telephone. We can visit. We can walk alongside. We can help put something up for someone or we can help them take it down. We can help on the parish council maybe, local groups. We can join U3A and and help administer that um, organisation. We speak of Christ through our bodies, not just our voices. We speak of Christ through our smile, not just our voices. We speak of Christ through our patience, not just our doing. We speak through our lack of jealousy, our lack of envy. We speak through our hope for tomorrow and our understanding for today. What spills out of us is the love that God has first put in our hearts. That is how, in Corinth... Paul wanted uh, the followers of Christ to impact and affect the community around them. So, as we saw last week, we are called to each other and we're called to each other in order to love. As we simply show love one to another, so the mark of Christ will be seen in our community. So, keep praying for the five people that we brought together for Thy Kingdom Come. That was not just a week's initiative because Archbishop Justin Welby is coming back here at the end of September and he is speaking deanery-wide to set us up in mission to say to us, to charge us with speaking of the risen Lord Jesus Christ and the love he has for each one of us and so we pray that now and we'll be starting an Alpha course so those five people that you're praying for we need to know that at that point you will be asking them to come on that alpha course, because the places will be linked with those, uh, people, those friends that we invite. So perhaps as I finish, I just want to say again, as I have said over these last two weeks, what is the part that you will be playing in the vision for this parish? A vision of love, A vision sometimes of silence and listening and sometimes of action and speaking. But what is the part that you will be playing in the vision for this parish? So we come to pray. Let's just bow our heads and be silent for a moment. Sovereign Lord, you have commanded us to love our neighbours as ourselves. Help me to do that in my community. Help me understand that the problems my fellow people are going through are common problems. Help me to find ways to help them in ways that they need it most. Help me to love others, no matter what their race or other differences. Help me to receive their love as well, and be generous in receiving. Help me not to permit grievances to block giving or receiving that love. God, our rock, we pray for stability in this village, and both villages of Blackheath and Wanish. Help us to see where there is disunity and discontent and bring your healing balm. Give us all wisdom on how to move forward successfully. Help us to strive to understand each other's perspectives and to find common ground. Give us insight into what will best solve the complex problems that we're facing. Help us to negotiate a new path that will be better and brighter than before. And our heavenly majesty, may your love and compassion flow through us and to those around us. Give us pity and concern for their misfortunes and suffering. Give us the compassion and empathy we need to understand what those in our community are going through. And help us to love them well. Help us not to judge or condemn, but rather come alongside to offer support and be your hands and your feet. And in a wider context, we continue to pray for those G7 nations now that that meeting has finished, that those initiatives will continue. And as NATO meeting has, it has been and gone this week, again, we pray for a united front, a unity of thought, a clarity of vision for huge wisdom and patience for all those that lead us, and the church, particularly worldwide. Father, we lift these prayers to you now. In the name of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.